Huff and Puff Pork Crackle is Australian-owned and made right here from 100% real Australian pork. Hand-fried and available in a range of flavours, the tasty crunch is hard to resist. Welcome to Retail Ready Podcast. Today, things are running a little bit differently. You may notice that I'm not Ben, but in fact, I'm sitting opposite him. We've got a very special episode of Retail Ready Podcast today, and the tables have turned. Your usual host, Ben Wyatt, has agreed to be interviewed to share his story, his advice, and his experience in the retail and FMCG space from years in the industry. Most excitingly, he's just launched a brand new business, Doggylicious, and I've asked him to let me guest host today's episode so that we can hear all about it. If you're wondering, I'm Kate Johansson, founder of Koja. You may recognize my voice from my interview with Retail Ready just a few weeks back. So without further delay, welcome to your own podcast, Ben. What an introduction. <laughs> that was fantastic. I yeah, yeah. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We've got, I'm uh, the one asking the questions Yeah, we're now. Back, in, back in your office. Yep. This, is, this is nice. I like it here. Good, okay, good. Yeah. But no, thank you. Thank you for having me on my own show. <laughs> you're so welcome. And it was your idea? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that. your listeners, one, they want to know who you are. Two, you've got all this experience and people listen to your podcast to learn. And so hopefully you can share some of it I today. I shall try. Yeah, I shall try. And then also a good old plug for um, Doggylicious, yeah. which is, you know, Australia's number one pet snacking brand, launched just three weeks ago. Correct. Am so, I stretching the truth? Or? No, yeah, yeah. No, it was the very first dog-owned business, I believe, in Australia. I've Fantastic. Not, I've not come across any other dog-owned businesses, so <laughs> I am technically the chief walking officer Um, and what's nice is we're doing this podcast in uh, Kate's office and we actually have the founder Dobby next to me so yeah it's nice to actually do a podcast with the dog next to me so yeah she's uh, being very well behaved and um, unfortunately we couldn't interview her for the podcast because I don't think you'd get a lot of listeners it'd be a nice quiet podcast (laughs) (laughs) anyway we'll do our best but hopefully uh, hopefully I can I'm normally asking the questions, so hopefully I can give some knowledge. Hopefully I've got a little bit. Yep. Um, and we'll, we'll uh, dive right in. But yeah, Jay. you've got the questions, so <laughs> you go for it. So first of all, introduce yourself. I mean, I, I should have probably done this as the host, but um, I'd just love to hear a little bit about your background mm. and who are you, especially when you're not working. When I'm not working. Okay, so Ben Wyatt, uh, the host of Retail Ready podcast not today not today <laughs> the guest of retail really podcast um and to be honest i'm a pretty boring person um i used to be i think i used to be exciting until i became a dad <laughs> and then um my priorities changed and it was probably the best thing that's ever happened to me not only did i have a little girl that i now adore it changed my mindset to actually go don't do all the stupid stuff that you used to do. Yeah. Start learning, start putting your head down and start doing something that you can turn into your own and try and put a difference uh, on this world. Yeah. So, yeah, that's probably been, that's been three, four years now. Uh, but I've been in Australia for six years and most people know a little bit about me. I'm a qualified nutritionist, ex-personal trainer, um, and I just love food. <laughs> <laughs> just literally love food. I think I don't love that. I'm not. I wouldn't class myself as a foodie. I'd class myself as someone who just loves the supermarket. Like 
the supermarket for me is, and this is why I am so sad, the supermarket is like my meditation and that's how, um, that's why I think I love what I do. Great, so you're definitely in the right industry. I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. I think a lot of people say that parenting changes them. Yes, yeah. Good to hear. Um, So you mentioned that you're from the UK. Mm -hmm. What brought you to Australia? Um, To be honest, when I was 16, I used to work in a pub and we used to hire Australians, as every pub does, and they'd come for a year say how good the UK is but then they'd always come back to Australia because they said Australia was so much better than the UK and I would say I've, I've known probably about five Australians that did that and it was always on my mind it was always I should come to Australia one day but then uh, as everyone does you get a job you live for the Friday nights in Manchester you watch the soccer on a Saturday, football on a Saturday and before I knew it I was 20 six and I'd, I'd been to Europe I'd done lads holidays uh, and then one Friday night uh, well one Friday afternoon it was absolutely pissing it down which is a normal day in Manchester <laughs> yeah. um, and I had a boss at the time I joined a company that on the outside looked amazing on the inside I just went this is this is not me for a long term and it was pissing it down uh, I was about to split up with my girlfriend at the time and I was about to move back home and I was like, this is pretty shit. Um, <laughs> a real turning and, point. And I was just like, fuck, like, is this, is this what people say? Oh, this is life, like, deal with it. And I went to the pub that Friday night, as a normal Friday night, and I remember just having two beers and I was just like, nah, this is it. Went home, walked home opened up the laptop while my mum was watching Home and Away (laughs) and I just went do it and booked a one-way flight uh, to Sydney uh, to leave in like four weeks time Um, closed my laptop and then just literally went oh mum I'm gonna go to Sydney Um, for so I was landed in on New Year's Eve and I just went I'm just gonna start fresh I think it was, what was this, six years ago, so 2000, and I landed 2013 to enjoy 2014, and I just went, I'm just going to go to Sydney, because Home and Away was on, um, <laughs> and I thought, and I, I actually Googled, like, where is Home and Away, yeah. um, and I was like, oh, I'll go to Sydney, because I'll, I'll go, on, I'll be on that beach for 2014, and Fantastic. that's what I did. Well done, so you're definitely a risk taker, which is perfect middle, for starting a, a business. But you also know the number one trick in business, which is if you don't know what the answer is, Google it. Correct. <laughs> it's, it's so true. Who did I? I chatted to someone recently and someone went, oh, how did you do this? And what would you do for this? And I was like, I think people forget just to Google. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's the, so much. It's, it's, it, the, the amount of information that people like kind of go, oh, I can't do that. It's like, why not? It's it'll be on Google. Yeah. And it was funny because I follow a guy who launched a gym um, and people ask him, oh, how did you launch such a, an amazing gym? And he did a video and he just said, oh, it started off with one question and everyone was like, oh, what's this question? He goes, I opened Google and just put, how do you run a gym? And that was his, and then four years later, he now, so yeah, that's, that's me. Yeah, Google is definitely a good resource. 
Um, I will get into a little bit more about your career, but I think we've got to jump straight into where the idea of Doggylicious came about. <laughs> and for those that don't know, tell us a bit more about what Doggylicious is. Doggylicious is an idea that has been in the, in the brain and the pipeline for about four years. 12 months, I'd say, has been actually been worked on the last year, which has been crazy because I've learned so much. But going back to the original kind of idea, it was when I started it, when I was working at Coles in the pet category, um, and I was working under the private label team, and there was just no innovation coming through. And being a pet owner myself and a dog owner, you kind of just get given the same treats. You, and I understand there has to be dental sticks, I understand there has to be raw hinds, but you kind of go, where's the fun? Where's the enjoyment? Like, has anyone asked a dog what they want? And it's it's the biggest growing market, probably with sports supplements and bars that you're in. It's year on year growth. The dog industry is exactly the same. So for four years, I've had in my head, I want to start a dog brand. What that looks like, I didn't have a clue. And when someone says start a business, you need that amazing thing called money. Um, and I didn't have that either because I just had a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> so she took all my money. So all I could do was for four years, well, three years um, prior to actually going two feet in, um, was just save, just chip away. And if anyone's read The Barefoot Investor, we've been living off The Barefoot Investor for four years. And me and my wife have a splurge account and at the start of, well, on the 15th of every month, we both get $400. And that is all I get for the whole month. So if someone ever goes, oh, I can't, can't do anything, I've created a business by $400 oh, a month. So, and that is not having takeaways, not going out, which sounds sad, but this has been so passionate of mine that yeah. the passion is gone. I'm putting this money aside so that I can buy the graphic designer and so I can pay for the graphic designer, can pay for packaging, can pay for some development and stuff like that and everything that comes with it. And it's it's been a great journey so far. Oh, so that's delicious. Yeah. yeah, great. Um, you mentioned that your career in Australia started at Coles. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you started there and what were your favourite things about working at Coles and then maybe what you, why you chose to move on? Yeah, um, I laugh because there's a lot of randomness about my life and even just starting at Coles was random. Um, so when I came to Australia, so I flew into Sydney, I'd done a couple of weeks in Sydney and then for some reason, and I still don't know why to this day, I just had a feeling I'd come to Melbourne and when I came to Melbourne I started applying for random jobs and the first job that uh, came was a kind of a gym manager's job um, so I turned up turned up to Cole's head office and I sat there and I went oh fuck I've come to the wrong building because there's all these corporate people all in suits shirts and then there's this bloke in a tracksuit outfit and I was like, uh, this is not a gym. And out for about 20 minutes, I was just sitting there going, oh, what have I done? And then this lady just went, oh, you're here for the gym job? And I was like, yes. And I was like, 
this is not a gym, this is the head office. And I didn't even know what Coles was because I'd only been in the country for a couple of weeks. I'd not even, like... Oh, wow. Well. I've been to, like, a Woolies, and that's, that's about it. And I was like, yeah. And in the basement, there was a gym. And I spent six months, because of my visa, I spent six months working in this gym, which allowed me to get to know so many different people in the gym, in Coles, including, at the time, the CEO, John Durkin, who I didn't know was the top dog at the time. Because once everyone puts on a t-shirt and joggers, they just become the same as everyone else. They just start sweating. So once I realised what Coles was and I got to know the people, um, a couple of people from HR was going, well, what's your plans after this? And I went, I want to stay. Is there any jobs here? So they did a great job. Uh, A lady called Kate Lewis actually went, there's a job in product development. I know you're a nutritionist, you like health. Fantastic. And she went, I'll, I'll pass your CV on. Heard nothing. Someone else came down to the gym. And I just went, oh, there's a guy that I need to speak to, but can you give him my CV? And it turned out that 15 people had approached my old boss with my CV. Oh, I, just print, I just printed off a stack. And just went, can you give that to Matt and Ellie? <laughs> and yeah, after, I think it was like 14, 13, 14th, and then probably the 15th, um, I finally got a phone call and he said, I'll give you 15 minutes. There'll be me and my boss. Uh, come and have a chat and we'll see what we can do. And yeah, I had a chat. It was Matt and Ellie and a guy called Blair Smithhurst, who is now head of Nando's Food uh, globally, I believe. And he just basically was like, who the hell are you? A guy from a gym? And I just went, I'm a guy from the gym who loves food, who loves supermarkets. I'm passionate. I'll give whatever it's needed. And they went, we'll give you a three-month trial. And that was, that was then I lasted four years at Coles, which I absolutely loved. The, the, yes, it was stressful and the stories that you hear, it's true. Like the, there is a lot of politics. There is a, there's a lot of stressful meetings, but it's, it's so good when you, when you do all that work and you see your products on the shelf. Uh, it's amazing. So yeah, I was working in the, the private label team um, for four years, which was fantastic. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I think there's a lesson there about getting that job. And mm. you know, for anyone in, in business, um, the persistence and yeah. thinking outside the box, getting people to um, you know give your CV to the decision makers. That's, yeah, persistent persistence is a yeah is a is a big trait, man. Yeah. The the, fu- the funny thing is, like, I remember the first week at Coles, and Flavor Makers, who I did a podcast with Adrian Chester, who is uh, the owner of Flavor Makers, um, his team came in. And I was working on a, the pouch soup project that is still on the shelf, so I must have done something good. Um, and they they presented all these soups, and I was like, and they're just looking at me, and I was like, what do they want me to do? And they're like, you need to taste them, and I was like, my job is to taste like food, and they're like. Yeah, I didn't have a clue what the job was. And honestly, and this is why I'm so blasé and so random, I actually didn't know what I had to do as a job. And they're like, yeah, you taste the soup. If you like it, we move on. If you don't, we go and change it. And I was like, this is incredible. And I, and like, I tried like 10 soups. And I was like, oh, can we add like a bit more tomato there? <laughs> and 
then I take it to the next level, which I didn't know about at the time. But I was like, this is this is actually real. And yeah, that was that Pretty was the first job. week of my job. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably worthwhile knowing what you're going to do for a job before you go in. But, <laughs> yeah. No, another good uh, business lesson: fake it till you make it. <laughs> Although yeah. it was a lot of faking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. sideways looks of <laughs> hang on, what am I meant to do here? You should have googled it. Should have googled it. Damn it! How to make soup. <laughs> So was it then after Coles, did you move directly to Scalzo? No, so again, another huge learning curve. Um, For me, I knew my time was up at Coles from a learning point of view. And people have probably realised this by now. I just want to keep learning and keep trying to get better and better at being a master of something. And I got to a point where all these cool people, all these suppliers, all these amazing people were doing innovation and development and bringing me a product. And then I, I realized all I had to do was take it to the next stage, sign it off, put some artwork on it, put it on the shelf, and then kind of claim I developed it when I hadn't. All I'd done was kind of manage the project along. Made some pretty good decisions I made too. some awful ones too. <laughs> no. You've got to make mistakes. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, there was a few, so apologies to the suppliers that uh, we thought we were going to do a better job than we did. Um, but there came to a point where I wanted to know the, the before. I wanted to know what went involved in bringing a product to myself. And I wanted to know more about logistics, warehouse, costings, and the supplier base. So I decided to leave Coles and join a company that was just awful. I literally, they promised me the world and they delivered absolutely nothing. So it won't take a genius to work out which company that was. When I think I've had to... a similar experience <laughs> with the same company. Yeah. So the, the shoddy, uh, but we won't go into too much because I don't want to give them the airtime. And it was a mistake, but it was one of the best mistakes I've done because I hit an absolute low, like there was no motivation. Uh, I'd left a fantastic company with huge kind of career directions and because of my stupidity and kind of um, drive to, oh, let's jump out of this comfort zone to a stupid comfort zone, uh, to a non-comfort zone, um, I learned a lot. But if I didn't do that step, I wouldn't have been where I am now, which is in a better place and working for one of the best companies that I truly think are out there. So they look after their staff. My role, which is innovations manager, is it sounds cool. And I always say I've probably got one of the best jobs in the food industry, but it's 5% fun. And then 95% either selling in, selling in, selling more in, <laughs> and um, just paperwork and all the stuff that people don't see. They only see that 5% of, oh, he's got a crazy job. He just thinks of crazy ideas and eats. Yep. And at the end of the day, that 5% just means so much to me that the 95% I'll happily do um, all day long. So I think yeah. I can relate to running a, my own business. You know, yeah. 5% is glamorous and exciting mm-hmm. and you know the mo- I'm the most successful person in yep. Australia yeah. apparently Absolutely. but there's 95% of yeah. you know just 
absolutely tough work. Yeah. And I think I'm sure a lot of people who work really hard can mm. relate to that yeah. statement. But we should give Scalzo the airtime because you are oh, cute. Like they they saved me from a very like awful tough place. And for me, I knew, and you know this is bad, when after 20 minutes of turning up to the new place, you knew you'd done the biggest mistake of your career. What happened in the first 20 minutes? They didn't even know who I was. Oh, of course. <laughs> so it's like, when you turn up to a new place, and this yeah. is for every business out there, Yeah. I'm sure not every business is like this, I've never come across it, but just at least know that new people are coming but yeah. because the turnover rate was so high um, they're probably used to uh, people just turning up every Monday morning so after 20 minutes I realised I'd done an absolute shocker um, but for me again stubbornness you can't just quit you've got to persevere and kind of yeah. learn and after I think it was 10 months 11 months um, that's when Scalzo were going, we're creating this innovation hub uh, that heard that I was an outside thinker and a doer and I just thank them so much and uh, it's, it's, I'd give them everything and uh, I think they're just one of a lot of businesses in Australia that are just, if, you, if the big retailers saw how much work Australian suppliers do in the background, I think that it'd be, it'd open open a lot of eyes because coming from the coals, having my coals hat on, I don't I, I would have never seen this world. And it's an interesting world that you see and your world that you're in. Yeah. Um nothing's easy. So yeah, that's that's kind of the last last few years in a nutshell to be honest. Yeah, sounds good. So for people that are wondering, well what is all this work that you do behind mm. the scenes that you know the big supermarkets never see and mm. for consumers when you see a new product with a new ticket Yep. on the shelves yeah. you know what what is the work how how long does it take i mean i know this answer but for, for our listeners what's involved in launching a new product and how long does it take from the initial idea too long it's it's a long time i'd say the quickest project realistically you're looking at nine to twelve months okay. from idea concept to not even getting on the shelf to actually maybe business award mm. For Doggylicious, it was, it was 12 months and that was me making all the decisions. The, the biggest hurdle that you'll get is a lot of back and forth, as you know, especially with private label. They'll be, oh, drop the salt, oh, add a bit more flavour, oh, and yeah. the development time can expand six months to 12 months. Then you've always got your packaging time, you've got your range review times, which happen every 12 months. So if you miss one range review, you've then got to wait for the next one. And then if there's a change of category manager, you've then got to wait for the next one. Before you know it, you could be two, three years down the track. And one of my biggest passions, and I've said it on the podcast, is I want Australia to be the leader of innovation instead of going overseas and going, oh, they did it first, oh, we should copy them, or to the UK, and oh, there's 10 supermarkets in the UK, there's 50 in America, one of them, one of these businesses are going to take an innovative idea, what I want is Australia to start taking innovative ideas and giving it a trial, and you're, <laughs> you're exactly, you've opened a whole new category in the bar space, but you had to sell that idea in 
yeah. many times. But I think Coles, I mean, Coles did it in a really good way mm. with us. They didn't take that huge risk and give us national distribution yeah. straight away. We, we started off in one store. Yeah. We sold out, you know, you know, double, triple, yeah. whatever, our um, hurdle rates. Yeah. And then we went into two stores and then we went into 10 and then we went into 840. So it, it's, it, you know, I think that's a message a for model. your yeah. listeners <laughs> that you don't have to take that huge risk yeah. on a new product and innovative products. You can take those little baby steps yeah. and go, well, let's see how it goes in, you know, one state Definitely. or, yeah. And I think, you know, we're both on the same page. Yeah, where And that's why I think I'm a huge lover and a huge admirer of Amazon and I've said it before we had a guest on from Amazon they're just slipping under the surface just nice just bubbling away and they because any brand can go on Amazon they will build brands and people will they don't need to do the marketing campaigns they're just just bubbling away and before you know it, there'll be brands on Amazon that will be taking market share away from bigger players because it's a different it's another big supermarket but you, you you just don't have to go get in the car and go there you can just go online and i think covid19 has told a lot of people how easy it is to buy products online so mm-hmm. yeah it's it's definitely interesting and it, it it just takes a long time to get going i know since now launching doggylicious i i'm gonna be plugging away evening after evening just trying to send samples here samples there and i know there's not going to be a coals next week 12 months away and because i think i'm from the industry i know that that's the expectation and i'm happy with that because for me it's just building a brand that people start to love and work on the mpd um well hopefully sales are coming in so that i can actually afford it (laughs) (laughs) And so you've launched on Amazon. Yes. Was that your first retailer? That was my first retailer. So while developing a brand, um, I gave my task to look at how Amazon works and the ins and outs. And it is a complicated system to get to know. But yeah, we're now on FBA and have been selling for yeah several weeks now. And it's... It's been a great journey and hopefully then get the campaigns, get a bit of marketing going and try and drive up some reviews. So if anyone is listening, please head over to Amazon, buy the product, please leave me a review because uh, what we need to do is start leaving more reviews on Australian products so that they can climb higher in the rankings and then people see them on page one or two because if you get to page three, it's pointless. You need to be on one page one or two. Yeah. To drive it. So yeah, on there and on uh, doggylicious.com.au, um, which was another example of seeing which platforms work and learning how e-commerce works um, in that space too. Yeah. And so just going back to Amazon for a second mm-hmm. before we move on, for those that aren't familiar with how to supply Amazon mm-hmm. or how to work, you mentioned your FBA. I mean, what is that? And yeah. um, would you recommend Amazon to other small businesses? A hundred percent. Like, you're not going to be huge sales overnight. Like, I'm, I'm not going to lie and say Doggylicious is it, it's selling like hotcakes. It's, it's trickling. But for a brand that's launched two weeks, I'm pretty happy with where it's at. FBA basically means you load your products onto the Amazon platform. 
you then send Amazon a box of your goodies. So in your case, you'd send them a massive box of bars and then they store it in their web in their warehouse and old Mrs. Smith from Echuca comes along, oh, I'll, I'll buy that bar. Amazon sent, go into their warehouse, pick your bar up, put it in a box and send it. You yep. don't have to do anything. All you do is just look at your sales report to see um, your click-through rate, your kind of um, sales inventory. And if it's running low, you send some, some, some more stock. There is a cost to work with Amazon. Like There is a packing cost, a picking cost, a storage cost, and a margin cost. But when you bundle that all together, it actually is pretty beneficial, depending on your product. If you're selling a product for $2, you're, you're not going to go very far. But if you're selling maybe a, an SFP full of bars at a great price. Or a box full of, and a box, dog, a, dog, a, treats. A box full of dog treats. <laughs> um, it works out well. Yeah, and, and you would have those costs anyway if you were doing correct. your own yeah. e-commerce. Yeah, so instead of like the margin on Amazon for dogs, I think off the top of my head is 12%. Mm-hmm. If you went to a, a retailer, you're mid-40s to 50%. So you've already saved 30% of margin, which is technically your picking and packing cost, but that's your freight from Amazon to the customer. So it's, and if you spend over $40 on Amazon, it's free delivery. Yeah, so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah for me- like a great platform for you to be launching. Yeah, and it, it, it gives you the sales data that hopefully will allow me then to then go, okay, that worked, that didn't work, that product is do, does better than that product, and then it allowed me to then work out uh, future plans. So for the moment, good days, it might change, but uh, for me, I think it's a, it's a great platform uh, yeah, to great. start anyway as a, as a business. Yeah. Um, and with Doggylicious, I don't know if you've gone into enough detail about what the products are, because I think the most exciting thing for, for me, I mean, I'm, I don't have pets, unfortunately, yeah. but I am a dog lover. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love the idea that they're um, human grade yeah. because I think something that I worry about, you know, being in the food industry, you know, pet food can be uh, a really low mm-hmm. quality Definitely. Um, type of product. Um, but to have a brand that is, you know, the idea that you can be essentially snacking on the biscuit and then giving it you, to your you dog. Literally, you literally could share the biscuit. With or at dog. least, yeah, knowing that your dogs are getting the nutrition mm-hmm. that they need. And, um, you know, can you give us a little bit more Definitely. of a plug yeah. for your so products? The first range is human grade cookies that are grain free and gluten free. And before everyone goes, oh, a dog doesn't need to go on a gluten free diet or a grain free diet. Completely agree. There is some dogs though that do better on a grain-free diet. There are some dogs that do better on a gluten-free diet. So when I was developing it, I was kind of going, well, let's tick, tick all the boxes. Let's make the best cookie that I can make for a dog that is fun at the same time. And we made it human grade because the job that I do full-time is following trends, it's following where the market's going. And if you follow human trends, which changes every year, uh, like at the moment it's keto, next year it might be, everyone's talking about probiotics, everyone's talking about nootropics, adaptogens, etc. If you look back at where dog food was 10 years ago, it was out of a can. No one probably had a clue what was in that can and dogs lived outside. 
fast forward to now, dogs are part of the family. Like there's dog parties, dog birthday parties, like dog friendly cafes. They are part of the family. Their trends, their diet trends are also following human trends. So going back from four years ago when it's like, well, no one's bringing, a, you're bringing me a biscuit. You bring, like, you're bringing me a, a, a wheat filled bone shaped biscuit and just changing the shape. So it's like, well, let's make a cookie that is healthy for dogs, healthy for humans. Um, and it ticks several uh, different kind of health credentials and benefits. There's stuff that we add into it. So on the, the protein one and the hip joint and coat one, we've added like hemp into there, which is, is great for the coat. We've added collagen in there which people go, oh, collagen, it's great for my skin. No, it's not. The dog uh, fat getting wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. And, and the dogs are like, oh, looking at you going, it's doing absolute effort for your wrinkles, but for collagen for dogs, it actually helps with joints, it helps with ligaments. Same so, with humans. Same with humans. It's a good protein source. Not just source. about the... Uh... <laughs> so it's like, well, let's use ingredients for their purpose. Yeah. Um, I found a supplier that does eggshell powder, and we've added that into the hip joint and coat one because if you study eggshell powder, it's actually a phenomenal source of calcium, natural calcium. So we found this supplier, well I found, me and Dobby the dog, <laughs> I found this supplier that um, turns eggshells into powder Amazing. and we, we added that into the, the mix so that then it was a natural source. And this has all been tested because I didn't want to be one of those rogue, like, because uh, I've seen a lot of them and I didn't want so it's all been tested it's it's come back and it's like yeah uh, it's there is actually genuine it's a great yeah okay. uh, calcium source so I think eggshells are amazing I mean I maybe we're about to start a trend here but are you doing, it? Are you doing it well I've got backyard chickens and so what we do is break <laughs> up the shells yeah. after you've had an egg and feed them back to the chooks so that they can make more eggshells yeah, but maybe I shouldn't stronger. be giving them to the eggs maybe I should be grinding them up Probably and eating them myself so if any health buyer is out there, <laughs> let, us, let us know if you want eggshell powder. Yeah. Because it could be a, Between Ben and I, we yeah, can do some we'll, innovating. We'll, we'll start bagging up because th that's one ingredient. Hemp seeds are in there. Um, collagen's in there. Sunflower pumpkin seeds. I'm, I'm a human nutritionist. I'm not a pet nutritionist. So what I want to do then is further product development, engage pet nutritionists to work out, okay, right, let's add in some meat components I'm not going to say dogs need to go vegan. Uh, it's let's add in some protein. But you look in the back of the pack of treats on the market now and it says crude protein. Not being funny, but if you're buying a, a box of dog treats for $2, $3 and it says crude protein, I guarantee it's probably not from grass-fed beef. Like, it's probably going to be carcass it's going to be ligaments and it's probably going to be chicken feet like at the end of the day would you rather give your dog or would you give it yourself like you've got to look at it from a point of view dogs are very different to humans at the end of the day like you want to give something nutritionally balanced and that's actually going to benefit their life and that's where I'll go on this journey. I'll just try and keep adapting, keep learning, keep getting experts to go, oh, Ben, you're a bit of an idiot for adding that ingredient. I'll be like, okay, let's change it. Um, <laughs> and not be a Pete Evans. 
<laughs> I don't think anyone wants to be a <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Pete Evans. Uh, no, he's, yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Anyway, I'm going to just totally sideswipe the Pete Evans conversation because um, we might have, be here for the whole evening. Um, but I just wanted to talk about the future of Dogalicious. Mm-hmm. So a bit of a tricky question um, before I throw you a couple of easy ones to wrap up the interview. But if you had a, well, maybe this isn't a tricky question. If you had $100,000 to spend on Dogalicious, what would you spend it on? It's a very good question. For me, MPD is important. So it would be growing. The ideas that are in my head are actually worrying because it'd be nice to know if they work or not. Um, But there's so many ideas where I want to take this brand and product development. So a lot of money would go into just doing the development, getting the testing and doing some sensory and just kind of doing trial and errors on that. But a lot of it, I think, would go on digital marketing. I honestly think that if you can, it's all well and good having a website, it's all well and good having a brand, but if no one sees that brand, you might as well just be literally shouting in a soundproof room, to be honest. Um, so it's, it's definitely um, socials, doggy influencers, um, expos, contacts, connections, marketing email marketing the whole lot that's that's where and i don't even think i'd need 100k to be honest so if anyone has 10 grand (laughs) um i'll do the barefoot investor approach like absolutely use what i can big borrow and probably not steal so much i left that in manchester so um we're not going there yeah um so if anyone's listening and they've got a uh dog instagram account with you know a few thousand followers get in touch there's some free dogalicious biscuits (laughs) for you we'll just set on amazon live review (laughs) yeah true actually (laughs) don't even the free stuff (laughs) don't contact us Buy it on Amazon. It'll cost you twelve ninety five for a yeah, box of correct. and free postage if yeah. you buy over forty. Or if you're on Prime, it's it's free delivery on Prime. Perfect. So winning. <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah, like you'll be helping a small Aussie startup business, which yeah. is you know all those feel good factors. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about Doggylicious in the next twelve months. Yeah. I know we've talked about digital marketing being a mm-hmm. priority. But where do you see it going in the next 12 months? Um, realistically, uh, growing, hopefully. Um, more online presence, more brand awareness. Um, and for me, trying to get a distributor uh, on board so that I can actually go into bricks and mortar because, yes, people are banging on about e-commerce. Like, oh my God, it's amazing. People are still going to go to the shops and I want to be in those shops. I want to be taking over brands that shouldn't be on the shelf um and fair play to them but there's going to be some competition and they either need to adapt with innovation or risk uh, hopefully a brand coming through which will give as many jobs as possible to Australians so the main thing with Doggylicious is I want to keep it Australian so it'll always be manufactured in Australia the graphic designer is from Australia the production uh, team are all from Australia uh, all the dogs are from Australia, even though Dobby's an English Springer Spaniel, but he's got citizenship, so oh, good. Um, he's now Australian. But what I want to do with all the shit that has gone on in 2020 is let's just create a fun brand and give some enjoyment yeah, to absolutely. so many families and 
one of the brand pillars with Doggylicious is giving back as well. And that's why it took so long to work out the brand kind of mission statement and kind of pillars, uh, if you want to go all corporate. Um, but I believe dogs see and hear and sense everything. And what worries me, I read it, well, I listen to I'll listen to a lot of audiobooks. And one thing that always plays on my mind is a book that I've read recently about how much domestic abuse goes on in Australia. And what worries me is dogs, if the family has a dog, it sees all this. And what happens in a closed house doesn't go out. And for me, this brand, it would be absolutely amazing if I can just help support as many different people who are crying in a bedroom and the dog's next to them because they, they might be gay and the family don't approve or they don't like the way they look or they're being bullied or they're getting um, physically abused or mentally abused. If this brand can just bring a bit of joy and a bit of happiness and a bit of support, then fuck, uh, that would be incredible. So, and we'll have a bit of fun uh, along the way. So that's, that's what I want to get from this brand yeah Instead so maybe off everyone else yeah. <laughs> doing some campaigns where like um a percentage of profits is donated yeah, to so domestic violence yeah that that would be so the whole brand will support um once we start generating sales like i want to promote where like funds have gone there's one specific cookie the rainbow cookie it's on the back of pack you'll read it it supports the lgbt community oh, amazing and what i want to do is because there's so many kind of gay couples that have dogs, but if they had a kid, it would be frowned upon. But then you look around and you would see... Would it though? Well, to a lot of people, I think that's would. changing. And though. I hope, and that's it's building that kind of perception that this is normal, because I swear to God, like, you look at like, male and female relationships... Some people should be having kids. Like, like, there's a lot of gay couples out there that would look after kids a lot better than some other people. So it's like, this should this should be normal, and that's that's the rainbow cookie to to basically go. You know what? Dogs dogs don't have any gender bias or sexuality bias. So, yeah. um, so the innovation carries through the brand values Correct, and yeah. what you're trying to achieve, not yeah. just with the products. I think it's no, amazing. So yeah, it took a while to work out. I just didn't want to do a dog brand uh, yeah. because I think the world and Australia has got enough dog brands. Let's do a brand that, again, long-term, co-brand with other brands and do a dog gravy with Bisto gravy. So if Bisto, if you're listening, let's do a dog gravy where it's doggylicious, human-grade, so that on a Sunday dinner, the dog can have a little bit of gravy on his... Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're part of the family. Uh, yeah, oh, so perfect. it's all stuff Well, I think that's a perfect... Um, chance to wrap up i think it's a great note to finish on um if anyone is listening and they want to collaborate with doggylicious definitely get in touch you know where to find ben and um ben thank you for letting me host today it's been great to learn more about your story and your experience and um yeah i'm off to amazon to buy some doggylicious (laughs) appreciate it well yep on amazon on instagram and facebook um and once i get a bit more time um Everyone always says that, don't they? But it will be done. 
we'll just do TikTok and start doing some video content and have a bit of fun. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you, have you got an email? Uh, Yeah, so if you want to, if it's anything to do with Doggylicious, uh, woof at doggylicious.com.au. Perfect. Thanks, Ben. Absolutely. Well done. Well done on your first podcast. Thank you. (laughs)